Is he worthy of all the praise this morning? Come on. Tell him. Tell him. It's game day. Let's go. Come on. Welcome to the Refuge Church. My name is Pastor Adam Harold, and my out-of-my-league wife and I get to, uh, that's right, oh, uh, out of my league. She's way out of my league, keeping things uh, a theme today. Uh, her name's Tanya, and we get to lead this church together as a team. It is one of our biggest joys in life, leading this community, that we believe, and we believe it because we've seen it, we believe that it's, it's the very thing that you've been looking for because it will lead you to the person that you've been looking for. And so, welcome. We hope to meet you. Fill out that card in front of you. I want to send you a card in the mail to say thank you so, for being so generous with your time today. What a great, they did so good with the news. I don't, like, that was half my introduction. So, uh, we can get right into talking about a series that I'm calling XOXO. And I didn't realize how brilliant it was because. Tonight being the big game, they're going to be talking about the X's and O's, but we're talking about XOXO. We're talking about hugs and kisses, not uh, Hail Marys and run plays. So um, XOXO is the title of this series, and this is week two. Man, fellas, I don't know if you came ready to listen today, but... This has got a men theme to, to it. Like, we're talking about X, X's and O's, and we're talking about sex. So, it's, it, guys, we're, we're doing everything we can to get you to come to church. <laughs> My goodness. Thank you so much for, for being here. Week two of this series. So, last week, I want to tell you where we've been, where we're going. So, um, last week, we talked about the big idea that God's design for sex is for it to be a worshipful act. God's design for sex is for it to be a worshipful act, and that's truth. That's just not trying to get guys to come to church. Guys, I don't understand why you don't come to church when God thinks sex is a worshipful act. Man, I'm telling you what, but it is. God's design for sex is for it to be worshipful. Therefore, Satan will do everything he can to make it not worshipful. That's why it rubs some of you wrong to think that, ooh, I don't know about that. Well, if you don't know about it, go back and listen to the message last week where we talked about it. And um, I'm telling you, it, I thought it was a good message. I got a lot of compliments this last week about it being a good message, uh, not not just because of the content, but because of the truth, right? About how God's desire for us is what he calls yada. And we talked about that last week. I showed a Seinfeld clip and everything. If you missed last week, I'll tell you what. Today, we're going to talk about, about Satan's tactics, the way that he works in trying to destroy sex in our lives and use sex to destroy our lives. Come on, somebody, right? Like, he wants to destroy us, period, and he will use, he will destroy our sex life, but he will also use our sex life to destroy us, and so 
We're going to talk about his tactics today. And then next Sunday, we're going to talk about the way that we overcome his tactics, the way that we combat his tactics to things. going to give you some tools to put in your tool belt to where you can, um, you can stand up to the attacks of the devil when it comes to sex in your life. Are you glad he came to church yet? You will be by the end of the time we get, get done today. Um, turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we're going to be there this morning. Uh, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app if you, um, if you want to follow along in the notes. We have all of our notes available for you. Um, you can save those, download them, read them later. You can, uh, you can follow along, and uh, we try to make it as easy as possible for all of you. I'm going to read verses 41 through 45, but before I do, I need the Lord's help this morning. Can I, can I ask him to help me? Father, I thank you so much uh, for your word. God, I ask that you would just use me as a vessel today. God, I pray that you would make me your mouthpiece that you would speak through this microphone, Lord, through these speakers, and that it would go directly to the hearts of every person that would hear it. Father, I pray that you would use today to change the way we live, because God, if we come in and we don't change, then we've wasted our time. So God, I pray that we would change what needs to be changed, and that we would uphold the things that need to be upheld. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I read verses 41 through 45 in John chapter 8, I've got to give you just a little bit of context. Because in this context, Jesus is having a conversation with some Jewish people. Jesus is Jewish. He's talking to his people. And he's, he's, um, he's in a little bit of an argument, if I, if I could say it that way. And the people that he's talking to are arguing about if God sent him or not. And this is how the conversation goes, starting in verse 41. No, no, you are imitating your real father, they rep- and they replied. So this is, that first sentence is Jesus speaking. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Verse 42. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but God, uh, but, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? Because you can't even hear me. Can all the parents testify this morning? (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, how many times do we say to our kids, you can't, you're not even listening to me. You can't hear me. This is how Jesus is saying this to these people. And what's great or what's amazing to me, it's not great actually, but it's amazing to me that these people were Jewish people that were looking for a Messiah. They were waiting for a Messiah to come, and they thought that God would send a man to be a Messiah, but they were like, no, Jesus, you're not it, right? Verse 43 is our focus, verse 44 is our focus verse. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things that he does. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, and he always has hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar, the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. It is in our nature to believe the lies that Satan tells us, but they're lies. Just because it's in your nature doesn't make it true. That'll preach. Just because it's in your nature doesn't make it true. That's why we can't trust our feelings. Because it's not based on how we feel. It's based on what God says. And God, Jesus is telling them, Satan's a liar. I want you to know this morning, the devil is a liar. And it brings me to my big idea for today. My one thing, if I had to communicate one truth, it can all be summed up in this one thing today. Satan has one mission, and that mission is deception. Satan's mission in life is deception. He is a liar, and he wants to deceive you into thinking that his way is the best way, not God's way is the best way. He's a deceiver. I heard an old preacher one time. I have no idea where I heard it. It must have been in chapel at Bible college. Some old preacher said this. He said, Satan is an old dog with no new tricks. He's an old dog with no new tricks. Therefore, everything that we see that's going on in the world, it's nothing new, ladies and gentlemen. We can learn from God's word and see the way that he attacks us. And if we know the way the enemy is going to attack, we can know how to defend it. So, this is a foundational statement that Satan is an old dog with no new tricks. But the Bible teaches us that there's one playground that this dog likes to play in. One playground. Paul writes about it in the book of Romans, chapter 8, but then he writes about it again in the book of First, 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. I want to read these two passages for you, and I want you to see what playground he likes to play in. Romans 8, 5 through 8, those who are dominated by the sinful nat- nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that, are, that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds to, to life and peace. Sorry. By letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse 7. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. Again, it's not natural for us to do the things of God. That's why those things are still under the control of the sinful nature. Can, and, sorry, let me reverse eight again. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 
Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Paul says Jesus was just like God, and yet they still didn't see him. You know why they didn't see him? Because it's not natural for them to see him. Did you pick up what playground the dog likes to play in? What was it? Your mind. It's your mind. Satan will wreak havoc on your mind. And the lies he tells you will be believed in the mind. That's why you should believe them in your heart. The reason... The reason so many people are deceived is they're trying to believe the truth in the mind, but it has to be believed in the heart. That truth will unlock belief in your life. Belief starts in the heart, not in the mind. Satan will do everything he can to deceive you in the mind. That's where he likes to play. Remember what I said last week when it comes to sex. Satan will do everything that he can to take intimacy out of sex. Because that's God's goal. Intimacy. Yada. Covenant relationship intimacy. That you know something so closely that you're in relationship with it. That's God's plan for sex. We talked about it last Sunday. If you want to listen to that message, you can go back and listen to it. God's goal is Yadah for all of us. Everything that God desires, Satan opposes. Everything that God desires, Satan opposes. And it's natural for us to believe the things that Satan tells us. Therefore, it's e he's got an easy job, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you make a really easy job. <laughs> he's got an easy job the things that he teaches us we want to believe naturally we've already read that this morning but the things of God opposes the, the things that Satan he opposes the things of God so let me, let me put it to you this way um, do you remember last Sunday I, I read uh, Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 which is after the flood, Noah and his sons, they come off the ark, and God gives them a command. What was the command? Be fruitful and multiply. So, let me, let me take you back, back to math class real quick, right? If addition, the opposite, Satan believes the opposite of God. So, if the opposite of Addition is subtraction. The opposite of multiplication is, you guys want to preach this morning? Divide, division. Satan will divide us in order to counter the desire of God of multiplication. Can I say, we're talking about, about sex this morning, so can I just say, that this is why 
the divorce rate in the world is so high? Because Satan has an easy job. And he will do everything he can to divide us. And because he has divided us, divorce is high in the world. It's high in this room. People have experienced it. And I'm so sorry that you've experienced it. God's plan is multiplication. Satan's goal is to destroy multiplication with division. And I'm just, it's game day. I'm not, I'm, I'm ready to, to combat the, the lies of the devil this morning. I'm not going to say things that people want to hear all the time. That's, that's not the call for me. And it's not the call for, your, for this church. So if you want to hear something else, I'm sure you can find a church that will tell you what you want to hear. But division is Satan's goal. Because God's goal is multiplication. And when it comes to sexuality and it comes to sex, everything that Satan is throwing at us is with the mission of division, not multiplication. That's why it's so prevalent. The thing about Satan's deception when it comes to sex is he deceives men and women differently. Because men are wired differently than women, especially when it comes to sex. That's why the saying is that women are a crockpot and men are a microwave. <laughs> I, somebody, somebody will get it on the way home. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about how... how Satan deceives both men and women when it comes to sex. But before we get there, and, and, and really, it all boils down to one word. The one word that Satan uses to deceive us when it comes to sex especially is the word value. We're going to talk about value. We're going to talk about the things that we value that men value and women value, because they value things differently. But there's one thing that I think that men and women both value. You know what men and women ultimately at their core value together? Because it's the way that God, is, it's, it's God's desire for us. They desire multiplication, or they value multiplication. Ultimately at our core, we still value multiplication. Therefore, we value the desires. Satan deceives us into making us think that our value comes from our ability to reproduce. Both men and women, Satan will deceive you into thinking that your value comes from your ability to reproduce. I want you to know that 
infertility has been around for a long time. A very long time. Listen to some of the couples in the Bible that struggled with infertility. Abraham and Sarah. Isaac and Rebecca. Jacob and, and Rachel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We worship the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The fathers of our faith, ladies and gentlemen, struggled with infertility. You are in good company if that's you. Hannah and Elkanah. Hannah had Samuel eventually, but before she had Samuel, who was the first prophet of Israel, she struggled with infertility. The Shumite woman who's unnamed and her husband who is unnamed. The uh, Manoah and his wife who is unnamed. Elizabeth and Zechariah who gave birth to John the Baptist. Ladies and gentlemen, if you struggle with infertility, and I know that there are multiple families in our church that struggle with infertility, I want you to know this morning, you're in good company. People in the Bible struggled with the ability to reproduce, but they understood that their value didn't come from that. Infertility is not God's plan for you. It's not God's plan at all, because his plan is multiplication. But Satan is a deceiver. I love Psalm chapter 113, verse 9. It says, he gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. What a beautiful scripture. And if, you, if you're struggling because you haven't been able to get pregnant, I want you to hold on to Psalm 113, verse 9. That he gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. I also want you to know that we've got people in our family that have struggled. My brother and his wife, they struggled to get pregnant. Today, I've got two nieces and nephews. We've got close family friends that struggled for years and even had miscarriages along the way that struggled to get pregnant. And so this morning, I want to do something before I get to the deception of men and women. I want to take a time out. It's game day. I can do that. I want to call a time out and I just want to pray specifically. For the families in this room and that will be in this room that struggle with this. Father, I thank you for the gift of multiplication. And Father, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would pour out the spirit of fertility today. God, that you would take away the things that Satan is trying to steal from us. God, Satan is not just a liar, but he is also a thief. And so, God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give to the people of God 
the thing that you want them to have, the things that you want them to have. And God, I pray for a release of the spirit of fertility today for those that desire it, God. But Lord, I pray that it would come in covenant relationship with each other. Father, that it would come through this beautiful thing called Yiddah. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So now I want to talk about the ways that Satan deceives men before we get to, to the ladies. We're saving the best for last this morning. Satan deceives men differently than women because he deceives men into believing that their value comes from their their ability. He deceives men into thinking that their value comes from their ability. Sorry, I saw someone in the crowd crying. And seeing you cry makes me cry. So I cry, and then you cry. So we all cry together. Adam, it's game day. Get it together. Satan deceives men into believing that their value comes from their ability. So in order to understand this, we have to go to the wilderness. The wilderness where Satan takes Jesus and tempts him. And in the wilderness, he tempts Jesus three ways, three times. It's in Matthew chapter 4. You can turn there. You can go there later this week. Matthew chapter 4, the first temptation is Satan goes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Turn these stones into bread. If you really are God, turn these stones to bread. The second temptation is he says, if you're the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say that he will order the angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt a foot on a stone. Satan's tactics, one of his tactics, is he will take the words of God, the truth of God, and twist it into a lie. It's why you have to know God's word, and you have to know it because Satan will produce a counterfeit in your life. The final temptation that Satan has for Jesus is he says, the next, it says in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 4, Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Satan tempts Jesus with three abilities. The first ability he, teach, he tempts him with is the ability to provide. Man, we struggle with the ability, the ability to provide. The ability to protect is the second one. And the ability to succeed is the third one. Because he, looked, he said, look at the kingdoms. Look at their glory. I will give you success. 
if you just bow down and worship me. That's all it's going to take. So, if Satan used ability to tempt Jesus, guess what he's going to use to tempt you? Ability. However, out of these three, provision, protection, and success, I think he uses one to tempt both men and women when it comes to sex. And that one thing that he uses to tempt men and women when it comes to sex is we value success. And really, if I'm honest, we value success with a lot of things in our life. And it's a temptation that, and, and, and what we do, and I'll, I'll get here, but what we do is we allow the world to define success. And so, men, when it comes to sex, he deceives us into thinking that our value comes from our success with sex. Specifically, the success of landing the hottest girl in the room, right? Or the success of sleeping with the most women in the room. Or sleeping with the easiest woman in the room. Why that's one of the things that he tempts us with, I have no idea. But the problem, again, is that we, as men, allow the world to tell us what success is when it comes to sex. We don't allow God to tell us what success is when it comes to sex. Because I've got great news for you, fellas, because I want you to come back next Sunday, too. And here it is. Success in sex is not wrong. It's not. It's wrong when you allow the world to dictate what success is. We have to allow God to tell us what success looks like in our sex life. And what God tells us is successful in our sex life is yada. I talked about it last Sunday. Intimacy and covenant relationship. So, Satan will do everything he can to rob us of intimacy. And so let's talk about women. But before I talk about women, I want, I want the women to know that in the Garden of Eden, and, and I, I said this in the first, first service, um, in, in the Garden of Eden, God gives women a title. And, and, and listen, you're going to probably be offended by, by the title. In today's culture, you're offended by everything. So I'll just say it. <laughs> Home run. The title that God gives you, here's the thing. He says, I will give him a helper. You know why? Because men need a lot of help. We need a lot of help. And so I believe that God gave 
man, woman, to be a helper because I believe that the intimacy that God desires in our sex life, we need a helper for. And the reason intimacy is such a big deal when it comes to our relationship with God is because intimacy allows us to see an intimate God that just wants relationship with us. And ladies, you help us discover who God is because we're able to be one flesh. And because we're able to be one flesh, we're able to see that God can become one with man. So let's talk about how Satan deceives women. Because he deceives women differently than he deceives men. But, but real quick, because I feel like I, I need to address this, and I addressed it last service. I'm running out of time, but I have to address this. When it comes to success with men and, and the value, valuing success, guys, that's why you struggle with porn. Because... Porn gives the artificial feeling of success in the bedroom. Porn gives the artificial feeling of sex with intimacy. But there's nothing better than the real thing. And Satan will do everything he can to rob us of the intimacy that God desires for us. And porn is one way he does that by making you feel successful, by looking at the things that you're able to look at. And it's at your fingertips. I, I, I had to address it. But I want you to see why you struggle with it. So that next week when we talk about your value, you can see that you don't need that. That's the thing that's going to free so many people. So let's talk about the deception that Satan has for women because he deceives women differently. Satan deceives women into believing that their value comes from their beauty. He makes you feel like your value comes from your beauty. Everything that Satan tempts women with when it comes to sexuality, boils down to one thing. Feeling successful when it comes to your beauty. Just like men, women allow the world to define what success looks like when it comes to beauty. But we have to get our, our definition of success from God, not from the world. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. 
The problem with the world's definition of beauty is it doesn't last. Which is why Tanya Harold says that you should get a facial every month, <laughs> Botox every three months, and filler every year. <laughs> now, of course, I say she doesn't need any of it, but it makes her happy, and I love to, her to be happy. Fellas, you should love your woman to be happy. But listen to how God defines beauty. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 4, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, Botox and filler. I added that part. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within. And the beauty that comes from within is and is unfading beauty. It doesn't fade away. And I love that, that Peter tells us what that unfading beauty is. He says, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You want to talk about the opposite of the world tells us? Women, you're beautiful when you're gentle and quiet in spirit. Which is so precious to God. And now I've offended you again. <laughs> but that time it wasn't me. It was, it was the word of God. It's a gentle and quiet spirit. That's what's beautiful. But think about the ways that Satan convinces women that they're beautiful. And not just convinces women that they're beautiful, but convinces women that there's success in their beauty. In today's world, he convinces girls that their beauty is defined by the number of subscribers that they have. I didn't say followers. They're different. And if you don't know the difference, find someone a little younger than you today. They'll explain it to you. He convinces women that their success in their beauty comes from the number of people they can sleep with, the number of women they can, or men they can sleep with. That was on accident. He convinces girls that their success comes from the man that they can attract and how successful he is. And it's this crazy loop of, of the world's definition of success. And we have to stop valuing what the world says is successful and start valuing what God says is successful. A few years ago, we were meeting in the high school, and Tanya and I did a, a, a message series together on relationships. She, um, she stumbled upon this quote that she used in her message that 
we've actually um, held on to. I thought I would share it with you today because I think it kind of sums up the deception of the enemy when it comes to sex. He said, before you're married, Satan will do everything that he can to get you to have sex. But after you're married, his mission becomes different. After you're married, he does everything he can to keep you from having sex. Because when you form that marriage union, intimacy is, is available. It's, it's, it's what is, it's supposed to be. But Satan will do everything he can to divide you. Therefore, he will try to do everything he can to keep you from intimacy. What a, what a mind-blowing quote that has changed my life. So really quick recap for today because I'm out of time. Big idea number one, because technically there's four big ideas today. I didn't want to give it to you in the middle because I didn't want you to, I didn't want you to know there were four big ideas because I didn't want you to get overwhelmed. It's game day. You can handle it. Big idea number one was that Satan has one mission, deception. Big idea two was that both men and women, Satan will deceive you into thinking that your value comes from your ability to reproduce. Big idea number three was that Satan deceives men into believing that their value comes from their ability. Big idea four, Satan deceives women into believing that their value comes from their beauty. But it all boils down to one thing, value. And that's what we'll talk about next Sunday. Stay on your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bow, every eye closed. I hope you're glad you came to church today. Are you glad you came to church? It's game day. I, uh, in, in, in a wrap-up, like, for today's message, there's a lot of things. <laughs> Holy smokes, I, I covered a lot of ground today. A lot of things that people struggle with. Maybe it's, um, Maybe it's just seeing your value. Maybe it's, maybe it's with, with reproduction, infertility. Maybe it's with pornography, guys, or girls. Maybe, maybe it's, it's with seeing, the understanding that you are beautiful, ladies. Guys, I hope every single one of you tells your wife or your girlfriend that they're beautiful today. It has nothing to do with Valentine's Day being this week. You're welcome. But it has everything to do with what God says about them. And some of you are going, but my wife's not gentle and quiet in spirit. <laughs> Maybe it's because you haven't told her she's beautiful. Girls, Tell your guy. You're doing a good job. I'm thankful for your ability. 
the reason we struggle with beauty and ability is because we're not telling each other that you're beautiful or that you're able. By the way, my, my love language is words of affirmation, if you haven't told. Tell each other. Lift each other up. But if you need to hear those things and you need to hear them from someone from outside of your family, we've got next steps available for you this morning where people are there waiting to pray with you. Father, I love you. I thank you for your word that is alive and active and quicker than any two-edged sword. And it tells me where my value is. God, I pray that today we would do business with God and that that business would involve our hearts and that we would allow our hearts to transform us by giving them over to you because that's your desire. God, I, I pray this week for the people in this room, that they would put on the helmet of salvation, guarding their mind. Because, Lord, Satan wants to play with our minds this week. And I pray for a community of people that would say, Satan cannot have my mind because God has my heart. Father, if there's anyone in this room, that needs Jesus today. I pray that they would say right where they stand, God, I need you. Come into my life. Save me. Give me new identity in Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.